Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and Bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I'm in Georgia this week with Team USA Wrestling. So if you want to learn about some guys you'll be seeing this summer in Tokyo, head on over to my YouTube channel. But coming up on today's podcast, I'm going to give you the latest with John Jones, 
Jake Paul's relationship with Triller, and more. But first, it was another great night Saturday at UFC 262, and ladies and gentlemen, we got a new world champion. Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. I gotta say, and I could do this to both guys. I could praise both guys. Oliveira stunned me with his ability to manage range. Oliveira knew right where he was, and he was following the basics. And how many guys do we see fighting for championships or the top guys, and they got to go out there and show off, or they got to put their hands down, or their chin is up, and they just can't follow the basics? Oliveira, hands up, chin down. He also knew right where Chandler was, and Chandler was fighting perfectly. Chandler was throwing some heat. Oliveira was barely slipping. Two inches this way, two inches this way, little pull backwards. Oliveira's defense, it was so impressive because I don't remember thinking that about him from his other fights. I remember watching him go, wow, look at this guy. Look at this guy, hard to hit. He was doing the same thing with the kicks. He knew right where Chandler was, and the only time he would drop his hand to build a little bit of force with those kicks if he would step outside. I mean, those are the X's and O's. Then, Oliveira also has had really two problems in his career. Trouble making weight. Problems dealing with adversity. When a fight gets going hard, when a fight gets tough, and there's a way out, he has found that way out before. Tonight, to watch him weather that storm, to watch him deal with that, to watch him put the past in the past, reset in between rounds, and come out and be a new guy, it was really something quite remarkable. And that's what the other fighters are going to look for. Whoever's going to fight him next, which I know we believe to be the winner of Conor and Poirier, but they're going to be looking at that, and that's what they're going to be most impressed with. When they're training and prepping for him, they're not sitting down like the commentators will tell you and thinking about his guillotine choke and his knee bar. No, they're looking about how tough is this guy. We all know moves and we all know holds. Can this guy hold up? And the answer to Oliveira tonight, my goodness, oh, he was great. And you know what? Everything I just said about Charles, I got to say about Chandler. Chandler took one hell of a storm and was coming back. Chandler had Oliveira on his back. The last position he'd want to have a body triangle on, found a way through it all. There was only one round completed in this contest and Chandler won it. And when you start talking about where do we go from here and what do we do now, Let's all at least agree on one thing. We do not perpetuate a narrative that we sweep Chandler under the rug. That contest was six minutes. It got fight of the night. Had it been another six minutes, okay, it would have been fight of the year candidate. Had it been in another six minutes, we're talking about one of the greatest fights of all time. Don't let the shortness of this fight take away from how amazing that was and how great Chandler looked. Chandler was flying in his range. Chandler was walking him down. Chandler was super fast. I mean, he really was. Chandler was so fast, and Oliveira was so elusive upstairs with his head that Chandler even threw a one-two to the body at one point because it was the only thing that he knew he could reach. Chandler did get on the ground with him. Chandler did play that game, and your eyes will deceive you. Your eyes will deceive you if you think that you've seen submissions at a high level. You're not seeing submissions at a high level. The only room that submissions have in this sport for main event guys, for title fight guys, is when one guy gets tired and wants out. He knows how to manipulate himself into a position to then be able to tap and look around to the crowd and everybody gobbles it up. I mean, I only say that too because to listen to some of the biasness of the comments made when you're in there with Oliver, Oliver was never going to submit Chandler. Wasn't going to happen. 
but he's also not going to submit anybody else in a main event or in a title fight, which is all he's going to be fighting for the foreseeable future. It's about positioning. And the great jiu-jitsu guys understand positioning. Charles Oliveira getting on top. Damian Maya comes to mind. Everybody in jiu-jitsu, and I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu, not hating on jiu-jitsu, but everybody in jiu-jitsu wants to talk about the, how great Damian Maya does. What they don't want to tell you is that Damian does it from the top. He gets on top. It's position, then submission in MMA. In the world of grappling, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be submission first, positioning second. I bring it to you because Oliveira showed us a level of jiu-jitsu. Tony Ferguson has that same level of jiu-jitsu. The difference, Oliveira did it from the top. Tony Ferguson did it from the bottom. The good guys don't get submitted. They don't get submitted. That doesn't mean that they don't tap out. But as, that is the gentleman's way of saying, I've had enough. Now, before you get lost on this, and I got I to hear about you guys that are just really, just uh, die hard about it and just don't want to accept what a three-time world title challenger just told you, let's talk about what's next. This division is in a very unique place. We have never had a fight before for the championship that in many ways brought you to the fight that you wanted to have, which is quite possibly Conor McGregor. Oliveira and Chandler wanted to beat each other tonight, not just to have the belt, because they want the opportunity to be in there with possibly Conor McGregor. It's one of those things where the champion gets anointed, the number one contender, to possibly fight Conor McGregor. It's, it's very interesting in that regard. And don't forget even Dustin Poirier, who is a consensus number one contender, nobody disagrees, including Dana White. Dana White went to Poirier and said, hey dude, you deserve the belt. Do you want to fight for the belt? Because if you do, you can. It won't be against Connor. Or do you want to fight Connor, but it won't be for the belt? And you saw what Poirier chose. He chose the same thing Oliveira is hoping to get a hold of, which is Connor McGregor. I only bring that to you because we're talking about what's going to happen with the winners. Why don't we do the same thing with the losers? Why do we not put, let's just say Poirier beats Connor. Why don't we put Chandler and Connor together? Let's say Connor beats Poirier. Why don't we put Poirier and Chandler together? I don't know why we're not talking in that direction, too. And 155 pounds, it's not a rule at the UFC, but it is a policy. And it's been around since the Joe Silva days, which is simply winners go against winners, right? Your last fight, you won. You take on somebody whose last fight, they won. Somebody who lost their last fight takes on somebody who lost. It's a policy. But the losers at 155 right now are much bigger stars than the winners at 155. Let me just throw a couple of names at you. Justin Gaethje coming off a loss. Cowboy Cerrone, what weight class do you want to put him at? Coming off a loss. Tony Ferguson coming off of a loss. Michael Chandler coming off of a loss. Paul Felder, Dan Hooker coming off of a loss. All your favorite fighters. Now let's take a look at who's winning. Islam Makhlchev. How bad do you want to see the winners fight? Or do you want to see the losers? Right? I mean, all I'm offered for you is that it's just a very unique time. It's a very unique time, and I don't know why we don't play this thing all the way to third. If we're doing a little tournament here, and we just had the first half of the semifinals, and Connor and Poirier are going to go to the other half of the semifinals, let's play this thing all the way till third. It's Olympic year. Everybody likes tournaments. Let's get Chandler in there with either Poirier or McGregor next, is what I submit for you. Oh, and by the way, don't think that Connor won't throw a wrench in this whole thing. Connor might go out and take care of Poirier and say, I, I don't have any interest with Oliveira. That would not totally stun me. We're only going to see Connor so many more times. I don't know what that number is, but it's very important to him to live the rest of his life getting this one with Poirier, right? I don't know how important it is to Connor.
to go out there and also get over on Oliveira. I don't know. I think that I could speak pretty clearly and tell you it's important uh, to Poirier. Poirier wants to do this Connor business, but Poirier's a young man. He wants to get back in there. He's training. He lives the lifestyle. I'm a little more, more confident to tell you if Poirier wins, we're going to see Poirier and Oliveira than I am to tell you if Connor wins, we're going to see Connor and Oliveira. Now, Connor can speak from himself on this. I'm just making conversation that the guys that are getting beat at 155, some of our favorite fighters. And it does beg the question, where the hell is Justin Gaethje and what's he doing? I've submitted for you for years any question that you have at 155 pounds, the right answer is Justin Gaethje. But Justin isn't fighting for some reason, and I don't know what that is. I don't even want to hint towards you that I know what it is. Maybe he's just waiting for the right fight, but I, I feel as though the right fight's out there. Right fight is a guy named Michael Chandler. Done. I don't think we have anything else to see here. I, so I'm not totally sure what we're waiting for there. There was even a dialogue at one point that we'll just hold Gaethje and he'll go on and fight for the championship next. How do we do that when Oliver is now the champion and we've already said that Connor and Poirier... I mean, it's just one of these, these weird situations. What is Justin Gaethje waiting for? He's had a nice long break. And to make believe that we're going to do away with Michael Chandler after the incredible performance he put on, if we're going to recognize that, that Charles Oliveira is the champion of the world, and we are, that's what we do in this community and in this sport, we recognize and tip our hat to whoever leaves there with his hand raised and a 12-pound gold belt around his waist. But if we're going to acknowledge that, then we got to acknowledge that Michael Chandler is the next best thing. They only had one completed round, and Chandler won the round. I bring that to you because 55, nobody's keeping that belt for long. Nobody's ever kept that belt for long that wasn't named Khabib. That is going to be musical chairs. I think you bring you bring Chandler and Gaethje, we now have a number one contender. Simple as that. And don't forget, Gaethje hasn't fought Oliver. Right, Chandler going back in there with Oliver with only one win. I get that I'm stretching a little bit there. But you can see where I wouldn't be for Gaethje. See where that gets real fun real fast. These are tomorrow's problems. It's today's conversation. These are tomorrow's problems. I just want to bring for you and make sure that we can all at least agree on one thing, which is we're not going to do a narrative of sweeping Michael Chandler under the rug here. Michael Chandler fought like a damn badass tonight. He looked fantastic tonight. He had one completed round with the champion of the world. Oh, and by the way, Chandler won the round. And I brought you guys that Charles Oliveira story last week. I'm going to repeat it just in case you didn't hear it. But I've been in very good contact with Gabriel Checo, a, a lifelong childhood friend of Oliveira. Oliveira lives not only in Brazil, where he's going to stay, he lives in the flavelas in, in Brazil. Those are his people, and even if he's rose up, he feeds his community. He is the one that buys books. He is the one that buys medicine. He is the one that buys presents and toys for the children. I didn't know these things about Charles Oliveira. I sat over here on my little throne, I call him Charlie Olives. I will never, I will never do that again. But I also didn't know the gentleman and the true hero to many. You buy people food? You buy a child a toy who wouldn't have had one? You're a hero. You are a hero. There's no way around it. Not to Now you're the champion of the world, yet people ever, everywhere are going to look up to you. Being a hero is very different. Very, very different thing. And I only want to mention that to you because the good guy doesn't always win. And tonight I'm not declaring that, that a good guy lost or that a bad guy lost. I'm just telling you, your new champion is someone you can be very proud of. And many people are, and that's a side of him in a story I haven't heard told anywhere else. I didn't know it until Gabriel told me. 
This was Oliveira's night. He earned this. He worked hard. He sacrificed. 20-plus fights, never even got the opportunity. Seized the moment. Had a way out. He could have quit. He made a choice to be a champion. Very impressive. So that was the main event, and later in the show, I'm gonna tell you more about the new UFC lightweight champion, but before that, I wanna focus on the co-main event from Saturday. Darush versus Ferguson. Okay, I, where do I begin on this one, right? Because I'm a little bit frustrated. I'm a little bit frustrated with the whole thing, and you guys know that Tony's my former teammate, right? So I get a little bit frustrated because Tony came in to fight camp with a very clear idea and an understanding, look, I'm getting hit a little bit too much. I'm getting hit a little too much, a little bit too early. Now, the reason on the X's and O's Tony was getting hit is he wasn't using head movement, and the reason he didn't use head movement is because he had a kick-heavy game. And you can't be like a Western boxer and get those kicks off. you got to be a little bit more square. All right, fine. But he recognized what I just said. Goes and trains with Freddie Roach. Now, Freddie Roach has an aura. The Freddie Roaches and the Teddy Atlases and the Clayton Hires of the world, they have an aura. You will put them in their corner because they are a father-like figure, but they are also a stone and they are strong and you can trust them. It's one of these things. So Freddie being there, Tony working with Freddie, let us know at least he was going to be reminded. Tony was going to be reminded of what he used to know, which is head movement is important. And guess what? He looked great. Tony wasn't taking any shots. He was ducking. He was coming back. Tony looked great. You could tell that the time spent at Wildcard did its job. It was effective. But the son of a bitch, that wasn't what his biggest problem was. His biggest problem, at least in his last contest, was getting taken down. It was the wrestling. Tony Ferguson's a national champion in wrestling. But he got away from it. He got away from it. And we should have known because that's what Oliveira reminded him of. That's what Oliveira reminded him of. Oliveira did not remind him that he gets hit and he's a little bit stern on his feet because he's a little bit boxy because he wants to throw those leg kicks. Oliveira reminded him the importance of being on top. Benny DeRouche couldn't find Tony. Why do you think Benny DeRouche started going to the ground game? Because he couldn't find him. He could not find him. Tony was elusive. Tony did a great job. That's all I'm trying to point out for you. Hard to do it from the bottom. As much as in make-believe land, we'd like to think we're closer to 1993 than we are to 2023. We're not. And finding guys at this level that you can submit from your back is a unicorn. It's an absolute unicorn. Submissions just don't happen in high-level MMA from your back. If you sweep, if you get on top, it's you're talking about a different arsenal. To watch Tony be put in a heel hook, guys, this hurt me. Physically, it hurt me. I have one experiences with heel hook in my entire life, and I'll tell you what it is because I've never forgotten it. I was at Team Quest. Randy Couture was running practice. We covered heel hooks. It's the day I heard the word heel hook. And Randy told us all, you ever get in a heel hook, you tap out instantly. Because, hear these words, because it will never hurt. It's not a ow, like an arm or a knee. It will never hurt, and then your knee will be a bucket of bolts. That's a quote. 
I took that with me. I have never been hurt in a heel hook. I've only been put in a couple. Pretty good at defending them, in all fairness. But the second that guy gets the grip, stop. Stop. I've had it happen to me in competition by Craig Jones. I've had it happen to me in the practice. Stop. This was not only a heel hook, it was what's called an inverted heel hook. It is a devastating hold. It is barred in many jurisdictions within the amateurs. They absolutely cannot do it. It is barred in gyms all over the world unless you're in black belt class. It is a, it is a devastating tactic. And Tony grimaced once. Some people say twice. I'll give it, a, I'll give it one and a half times. Tony just took it. Tony is injured right now. He's not just hurt. Tony is injured. Tony Ferguson can do what he wants, and he's, he's earned the respect of us to get behind him and cheer for him. And you heard that tonight. You heard that ovation. Nobody walked into Houston tonight, aside from Derek Lewis, who lives there, and heard that crowd respond more. They loved and respect Tony so much, they booed Darush. Darush didn't do a goddamn thing wrong. As a matter of fact, Darush did everything right. They booed him. That wasn't a reflection on Benny. That was how Houston, Texas, a live audience, was telling Tony Ferguson, we care about you, and we want to thank you. So I say that because I would never call to put a nail in a guy's coffin, particularly a former teammate and a friend of mine. I would never do that. At some point, you have to have the real hard conversation with the man in the mirror. Why are we here? Why are we here? What is this about? Jacques Array, who everything I just said about Tony we could say about Jacques Array, had his arm snapped tonight. I don't know if having his arm snapped is worse for his career or the fact that until I saw the highlight that he had his arm snapped, I didn't know he fought tonight. I don't know which is worse. But to have a perennial and longest standing, true number one contender who never got his opportunity, but Jacques Array, okay, that's, that's who he is. He's the guy that never got his opportunity. He was the number one ranked. He was the, the people's pick. He had the mandate. He couldn't win over the media. He couldn't win over the media, so he couldn't get the opportunity. But he did everything right. I didn't know he was fighting tonight. Did you guys? I had no idea. I had the foggiest idea until I saw the highlight reel that he got his arm hurt. I went through the whole car. Jacques Array fought with Oh, he fought, fought right there. It's already over. It's one of those things, though, where if you're going this way on the card and now people don't even know that you're fighting, people who care that you're fighting, people who like to watch you fight, what are we doing here? Why are we here, guys? It's a real tough conversation. Please don't identify your life or your value to this life with what you do for a living. Easy to say, hard to do. We will do anything as human beings to cling to our identity anything. If that is our identity and that is what we will known for, we will take whatever risk and we will stand up and we will do whatever we, whatever we have to do. And I just share for you that when you're in a combat sport and you've done so many good things, you've done so many wonderful things, and it's so clear to the entire world around you that it's not the same. And there's no athlete that you can look at who had a spot, lost his spot, and then got it back. It doesn't work that way. If you're the number one guy and all of a sudden you're the number seven guy, you're never getting your spot back. But there's not an athlete that you could point to and go, oh, yes, he did. Oh, look, he did. No. You've seen some number one guys who took a break and came back and it turned out they were still the best. Gronkowski just did it, by example, with uh, Tampa Bay. 
He was a great player. He took a break. He came back. It turns out he's still a great player. Won the Super Bowl. But it doesn't go the other way. The second string doesn't take a break, came back, and all of a sudden he's winning the Super Bowl. I only point that to you because when I tell you it's not going to happen in fighting, I'm going even further by telling you you can't find it anywhere. You cannot point to a sport. You cannot point to an event anywhere where somebody loses their spot and then regains it. So it is very clear for the two athletes I just mentioned. Tony, Jacare, no kicking a guy when he's down. Not at all what we're doing right now. It's just very clear that championships and championship runs, the title fights and main events are not in the cards. So it comes back to the simple question, why are we here? And athletes don't owe me an answer to that. When I pose that question, what I'm sharing for you guys introspectively is what they need to ask themselves. It's a hard life, that of a fighter. It looks glamorous because you see these guys on TV. It's a hard life. And you don't have very many friends. No reason you, you'd need them or people want to be your friend because you're not any fun. You're too tired to go out. You're too sore to go do something fun with. You're too locked down and in the gym to have conversations and socialize. It's just one of those things. It's hard work and sacrifice. And until you retire can smell the roses, as they say. Youth is wasted on the young. It's a very true thing. And some of these guys can't retire because they see it as their identity. A lot of the great ones will make it their identity. It's how they got so involved and so committed in the first place, right? It's a double-edged sword. Which is it? Shale, tell a guy to be committed, tell a guy not to be so committed. It, I get it. But it's a spot, and it's something you're going to have to deal with sooner or later. So we can kick the can as a way of dealing with it later, but let's at least be mature and adult enough to know we're going to have to deal with it. That last walk is coming. That last punch is going to be thrown. Real tough conversations. And this is personal to these guys. They will think it over. They will make a decision. And I'll come and talk to you guys about it. And we will support them. We'll support everybody for forever, but we will support these guys who've done so much. But the question they need to simply ask themselves, they go to bed, they're laying in bed, what am I going to do? What am I doing? Why are we here? Coming up in a moment, I'm going to tell you about some of the latest in the stare down between Dana White and John Jones. But before we get there, here's some words about our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with me, guys. Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help men get stronger and longer-lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. 
The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence, when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code CHAIL at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code CHAIL to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this program. Spring has sprung, and there's nothing more important than keeping our bodies healthy as we transition from the colder months into the warmer ones. I have lots to juggle between my family and business, visiting with you guys, taking my son to practice, catching up on the podcast, and nonstop coverage in the world of combat sports. And sometimes it's hard to practice daily nutritional habits between it all. There is a way, and Athletic Greens is the key for me. It's a daily, all-in-one superfood powder. One scoop contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients, including a multivitamin, a multi-mineral, probiotic, greens, superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet, increase energy and focus, help with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. What a relief. Athletic Greens is my one stop for all of it. It's simple. It's easy. For you athletes out there, this product is NSF certified for sport. It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you like to eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. Athletic Greens is offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. So whether you or a family member are looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash chael and join athletes and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to optimal health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash chael and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. So in the world of public negotiations, and you got to understand, Dana White is a counterpuncher. He wins every single fight, all of them. But he will play by whatever rules you start with. Whatever rules, including extremely polite ones, including, sure, let's go to lunch, including, let's talk about this. He will play by whatever rules you set forth. But in this case with John Jones, John decided to set forth public rules of a public negotiation and public finger pointing. Okay, 
Those are the rules then. And I got to tell you, just as a fighter myself, that's exactly how you do it. Every single day when I went into the gym to spar, it was the same policy. Whoever strikes first has now established the pace, and the next person must match that pace and not over it. That is now the pace of this round, and not all rounds are going to be the same. But whoever strikes first, that's now your pace, and that's what you're going to operate within. So John decided he wanted to do this public against a counterfighter who's never lost. So John made his move and made his claims and got the support system of his coaches and managers to back said claims. It wasn't the world's worst play. It just certainly wasn't the world's best. So in the, in the vein of a public negotiation, Dana has now let the world know that Francis will fight with Derek Lewis next. And the winner of that will fight Stipe. So what that does in the world of public negotiations, it means John Jones gets to go sit and lift weights for another year in a best case scenario. And these were never the rules that this back and forth had to be contested under. It was never Dana's idea. It was Dana's sparring partner's idea. And Dana, like a gentleman, let him go first, let him set the tone. But now it's done. And I shared with you guys, but I'm pen pals. I talked with Stipe's old lady. She told me this same thing. I thought it was in confidence. So I never said anything. But now that it's out, it's exactly what Team Miocic is getting ready for. The reason they're getting ready for that is because somebody had told it, which just means it's official. In no scenario will Dana go back and pull the rug out on Derek Lewis. As much as uh, some... Parts of us would really like to see John get the fight. Now that we told Derek he's getting him, for goodness sakes, we have a heart. We have a heart. Of course we give it to Derek. But now it's been revealed that the winner goes to Stipe, which in truth is what it always should have been. Now, I will hear an argument that John should be fighting Francis next and not Derek. Either way, Stipe should be fighting the winner. We did this to Stipe once. It was a scummy move. And as an industry, we all came out, pundits and fans and promoters and fighters and everybody alike, and we said, Stipe, we're sorry. We shouldn't have done that to you. We'll never do it to you again. And as soon as he falls down against Ngano, in the second round, by the way, which represents an entire round longer than anyone else has ever made it with Francis Ngano, we usher him out. Broadcast team says he's going to need a lot of time off. Based on what? Who were they to say that? Nobody talked about Stipe. Nobody talked about Stipe coming back, even though Stipe, who gave up 40, I apologize, 34 pounds on fight night, same excuse that Adesanya did the week before, except Adesanya gave up eight pounds. Stipe went longer with Francis and took six punches more than the next best thing. If Stipe proved anything, he proved that he's the number one contender. We thought he was the champion when he walked out. Sure, when he left, we knew he was the number one contender, but we tried to sweep him. So, in all fairness, I do believe we're going to see Francis in there with John, in there with Derek, in there with Stipe. We don't know the order. But the one piece of the order that we knew should happen out of sensibility and integrity to the sport is that Stipe goes second. Stipe gets a little bit of time, get his head clear. 
He's now said for us he wants to put some weight on. He's not doing what John Jones is, which is I'm going to put the weight on and everything has to be wonderful and I'll call you when I'm ready. He said, no, you guys go ahead and decide it. Give me one. Whenever the next one is, I'll have the weight on or I won't have it on, but I'll walk out there either way and I deserve the opportunity. And by the way, I would like the opportunity. Everything is right. Everything has been done right. I think there's room for John to come in in this equation, number three. But number three is going to be a year from now. And John's fights were getting remarkably close when he left against guys who never stopped and are no longer contenders. So we are going to have to suspend reality far enough to imagine that John Jones, without doing something, got better at it than his cohorts who are younger in less lawsuits and have less cocaine of convictions who never stopped. That's an amazing leap. But it's one we're willing to take. We give every single fighter who has removed himself and not showed us a deficit, whether it should be there or not, until he shows the deficit, we give them the same respect, which is benefit of the doubt. We're going to give that to John. I'm just sharing with you, when you look at this and you realize what has happened, Derek goes first, Stipe goes next. Who goes third? Yet to be known, but that's next year's problem. It's next year's problem. And in the best case for John, that person will be John. But while you look at how this came about, and you look at how obvious this was, I'll remind you of one thing. John's sparring partner followed the rule. John's sparring partner let John go first. He let John say how we're going to do this. In this case, it was going to be done in public for us all to see. And that is what happened. There's another takeaway from UFC 262 that I want to bring you, and it's that Edson Barboza is scary. What the heck is going on here? Edson Barboza is a veteran. Edson Barboza has been there and done that. Why is he getting better? How is he getting better? What is driving him? You gotta understand, the UFC has a lot of great fighters. They've only got a couple scary ones. Right? Francis Ngannou, scary fighter. Edson Barboza, scary fighter. And I understand he's, he's not that big. He's on the short list. He is very scary. And the skills that he's looking to implement are very vicious. He is going to kick you in the leg until you can't stand. He's going to spin around so you can't even see him. He's going to drive his, his heel into your teeth. What happened tonight with Shane was one of those moments. Scary. Shane gets hit, he has a delayed reaction where his mind and his body don't even, and then he, go, and, and he goes backwards and his eyes, I was frightened. And where do you go with Barboza? You gotta be able to look at the commitment that this man has made. This is a guy who competed at 155 pounds, later in life decides he's gonna go to 145. Copy Jose Aldo. In fact, when Jose went down to 35 is when Barboza decides that he's going to go to 45. But I only bring it to you because that is a commitment like few would ever have the discipline to make. Later in life, I mean, ask yourselves, do any of you weigh less now than you weighed in high school? If you're in high school, do any of you weigh less now than you weighed when you were in the eighth grade, right? That's not how the human body works. He got smaller, which means he started to work harder, okay? Calories in and calories out, and he started to eat differently. It was a lifestyle commitment. He also wasn't happy, I'm talking Barboza here, wasn't happy with his UFC agreement. 
didn't think he was being appreciated. And when Dana said, come on in, I want to talk to you because I want you to feel appreciated, got him a new contract, Barboza said he feels great. And you could tell by his interviews, he meant it. He had a different attitude. He had more pep in his step. And I'm watching these performances from a flat, scary guy. He simply kicks faster than anybody in, in the organization, and per kappa, pound for pound, he kicks the hardest. It's as simple as that, but it's frightening. It is frightening how he does this. And I would really like to see him start getting his due. This is his third fight in the welterweight class. He's officially 2-1. and one. He believes he won all three. Mm, I saw something different. I think he's 2-1. and one. In all fairness, I think he's 2-1. and one. But I think that whatever's going to come next for him is going to be something very special. I think that it's time that he start to be recognized. And as much as you and I look at him as a veteran, he looks at it as though his career is just starting. And those are easy words to speak. I'm seeing this in the performance. I'm seeing a guy who is getting better and who's working harder. And it's very rare that this happens later in life, not to mention at a lower weight class. The strain and stress you put on your body just to make that weight class generally forces you to forego other practices. You got to get this extra run in or you got to spend extra time in the sauna and therefore you're not on the mat with your coach working on setups and techniques. Generally. That's not what's happening here. Barboza has changed his lifestyle. He's changed his physiology and guys, he's getting better. It's a really interesting thing to see. I just wanted to pay him his due. He very much deserves it. This was a special night tonight. In many ways, seeing these guys get uh, in live crowds, seeing them feed off the energy. Tony Ferguson, he's tough as an old leather boot, but guys, I would submit for you some of that toughness and some of his ability to push on came from the crowd. Tony Ferguson draws from crowds. If you guys remember 246 where he got beat by Justin Gaethje, it was a problem for Tony. Not having a crowd there was a problem for Tony. He just liked it. He liked the energy. So to see all of these athletes have that energy back, to go out there and perform, Dana upped the bonuses from 50000 to 75000 Tyron Woodley thinks that's why we got such great fights tonight. There was a little more cheddar. Tyron might be right. I can't disagree with it. Something special was in the air. Getting 155 pounds worked out, finally. Getting a little bit of direction, finally. In the absence of Khabib and being able to move on. Look, if you're a fight fan, it's exactly what we needed. Before I head out for today's show, I wanted to give you some thoughts on the new lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira. Now, I talked to you guys last week, okay, and I filled you in on what a hero and a loyal member of his community Charles is, because I think those things are important. And he wasn't looking for a pat on the back, oh, Charles, you're a nice guy. He wasn't looking for it at all, which I think adds to it. I don't think you guys knew the stories where he's buying a village. He's buying a whole people. Food, toys, books, medicine. Pretty cool, man. It's a pretty cool and special thing. And I also told you, I will never say Charlie Olives again, and I will refer to him correctly, which is champion. I'm going to honor that with one asterisk, because it came out today and it fell in my lap like a gift from the sky, which is Charlie Oliveira may return to featherweight. Now, here's the problem. The cool guys, the tough guys, go up in weight once they become champion. They grab one belt and then they go up in weight. You don't go down. 
You don't call somebody out smaller than you or weaker than you or littler than you. Now, that wasn't the message. The message is he was trying to get a headline. Charles Oliveira can barely make 155 pounds, even had to delay this world title fight with Michael Chandler because he couldn't make weight. Openly said, I can't do it that quickly. I can't turn around. I, I won't, I'll get beat by the scale. So there's nothing here at 145. There was an attempt that this was a headline. There was an attempt that there was something on it. There was an attempt to people, keep people guessing, have a little bravado, bring your chest, and I can even win a second division. I like the whole thing. You just got to do it with the division up. You got to call off their Usman. You got to go after the BMF and Masvidal. You got to tell Covington you're going to take his number one contendership away. You can't go down. You can't call out Volkanovski. I'm only sharing that with you because it was bizarre. It was bizarre. I've never agreed with the PR or the management of Charles Oliveira. I've never agreed with, with changing his hair. One day he's a brunette, one day he's a blonde. I only say that for you because people don't know who he is in the first place. He could walk in your kitchen, slap you in the face. You wouldn't be able to tell the cops who did it. First thing he needed to do was go out there and be established and be recognized. Then his manager lets him show up to press conferences wearing glasses. When a guy robs a bank, he puts glasses on. He leaves the bank, he takes the glasses off, he blends into society. That's what Charles Oliveira was doing. He's like in costume. We don't know what the Charles Oliveira looks like in the first place, and his managers let him change his appearance on a daily basis. Now we really don't know what he looks like. It's okay. It all worked out. He won the strap. I submit for you, he would have had the opportunity to fight for the strap four years ago. And if I was managing him, he would have had this opportunity five years ago. Different story. I just thought that was a little bit bizarre. And now we have, apparently, our new champion who could be across the ring from Conor McGregor. Huge fight. You think a belt changes your life? Red panty night is a very real thing, guys. It might be going away. It might be, it might be down to pink, but it's still a real thing. Make no mistake. Big deal. Calling out featherweights? <laughs> what is that? What is that? He's all, he, might, he might have the door open to featherweight. Okay, great. me too. Me too. I might come back 125. Of any 125 pounder out there, Dana, give me a call. I, do you see the problem? Do, do you see where this just doesn't work? I like the story. I like the champ champ thing. I think a guy should go out there and get as much hardware as he can. I think that also shows the competitiveness. I don't think that, that competitiveness has to go away when you leave the NCAA or you leave high school or you back it on down to Little League. I think if you want to out there and get the trophies and get the recognition, you have the right to do that. I have only one resentment towards this sport as a competitor, which was that I got three matches a year. By the way, did you guys hear about this Triller guy? Change the topic. New headline. I'm going through headlines, okay? And I'm bringing you guys the topics as I see them. Did you guys hear about this Triller guy saying that Dana is trying to poach Jake Paul? Did you guys see that? If you're not a boss, if you're a pretend boss, don't fight with the boss. If you're a pretend rich guy, don't fight with a billionaire. And if you don't have Jake Paul under contract, don't claim you do. And how do I know? Because I just talked to Jake Paul. I asked Jake Paul that question straight, clear as I know how to speak. Hey, Jake, are you under contract with Chiller? Jake said no. Not only did Jake say no, he furthered that thought by just saying, I, I just want to do that. I mean, we had a full conversation. Jake said, I, I want to do that. I don't believe in that. So I would never sign a multi-fight deal with anybody. I need freedom. I need to be able to look around. I, I reset my options. Don't want to get locked. But we had a whole conversation. That's my point in telling you what he said, is that we had a whole conversation. This wasn't a misunderstanding, or he said no when he meant to say yes. We had a whole conversation on this. But the Triller guy is now coming out, fake rich guy after real rich, fake boss after the boss, and saying that's a crime. Do you understand that? Do you understand what he's accusing Dana of? 
That's called interference with a contractual agreement. It's a crime in all 50 states, and it would never be done, and it's not being done, and it can't be done because Paul isn't under contract with Triller. I want to make sure we clear that up. I want to make sure that that is crystal cleared up. This was actually tested. There was a fighter, and the name is uh, mistaken me now, because it was back in like 2006, 2007 range, who some other promoter stepped at guy in a UFC fight, and it was like fight week. This other promoter never said a word about it. Saw all the press, saw all the everything, and on fight week made one phone call to the UFC and says, I got that guy under contract. He had no proof. He had no contract. UFC didn't know. UFC stopped the fight. They called the guy up and said, don't get on the airplane. You're not coming out here. You got to get this clear. It's between you and him, and we need something in writing. He goes, I don't, I, I'm not under contract with them. Great. Get it in writing because he says you are, and it's a crime. They wouldn't do business that way. They have a history of not doing business with it. That's what I'm attempting to share for you guys. They're well aware of this. It keeps happening to Dana. Guys keep coming to Dana trying to take his guys, which is illegal. And you've heard Dana speak about that. So I'm going to get my attorney on this. In case you're wondering why that cease and assist would happen. It would happen because it's against the law. But Dana's aware of it. He would, it would, then it happened. Not only did it not happen, it can't happen because Triller's lying. They don't have a contract with Paul. And how do I know? Because Paul told me. And now you guys know, because I'm telling you. And Chael would never lie. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review like our friend Drummer, who says, I look forward to this every Wednesday and Friday. Well, thank you, Drummer. And thanks to all of you. I look forward to speaking to you again on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.